0: The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
1: All right, 9 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. You are listening still to The Talking Point. So coming up in this hour, we're looking at matters of access. Access um, to rights. And this is really the rights of Blind and partially sighted persons. Um, much of these issues came up at the 44th National Conference, and this is really a conference that was held by the South African National Council for the Blind. The theme was strengthening the voice of the blind and partially sighted. Joining us for this conversation is Mamukoto Jean. Jan Mugwala, who is the newly elected chairperson at the South African National Council for the Blind. Jan, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning.
2: Good morning, Cathy. Thank you so much for the invitation. I look forward to the conversation and I also extend my greetings to your listeners.
1: Of course, we're also expected to be joined by um, the director for your organization. But quite an important milestone, right, that um, the organization was marking not only in holding this conference, but most importantly, really making sure that matters that affect blind persons and partially sighted persons are, are, are put on the national agenda and are given the attention that they really deserve. So tell us about the context going into the conference. What were you really wanting to achieve?
2: So the 48th, 44th national conference was held in a background that South Africa and the world just came out of the COVID-19 pandemic. It had an effect on issues of blindness quite directly, you'll see, you'll hear later when you speak about causes of blindness and um, diabetes, how COVID-19 affected that. It also had uh, a great effect on livelihoods, on uh, the ability of the government to support Social programs, as well as uh, to fund its healthcare and education programs, uh, economic growth slumped, inflation spiked, as uh, also exacerbated by the conflict in the, in Europe, the east of Europe. So we had um, quite a big agenda that we needed to deal with. We were also facing issues of access to health care facilities, and we are still continuing to face them. Uh, We are facing issues of education, especially Braille. uh, As you you and your listeners may know, Braille is a literacy tool for blind persons. So those were the the main issues which we faced going into the conference, and uh, we needed to discuss and find viable ways of resolving through our partners and the, the government as one of the partners too.
1: What do you find are some of the biggest challenges that actually make access um, unavailable? And and whether it's access to tools, um, like you're saying, Braille or any other technologies that will assist um, blind people live better lives?
2: So let's, let's break it down into a couple of categories, uh, Katie. So the first category which you referred to is facilities, um, which I, I will to into healthcare facilities, education facilities. And other social facilities. Of course, there is the um, obvious barrier, which is uh, the physical barrier. Uh, It affects blind persons very badly. Roads are completely inaccessible, they don't have sideways or sidewalks or pavements. And uh, the side of it is quite um, littered with uh, a variety of hazards and dangers, such as manholes uncovered. And those are huge dangers for for blind and partially sighted persons. The built environment is quite strangely, um, very inadequately done for partially sighted persons. You'll find that stairs are not marked, or they are marked incorrectly. And um, and those are the, the main physical barriers that blind and partially sighted persons face. Then you have access to health care facilities, government facilities. You uh, know that many blind and partially sighted persons rely on government institutions of education and of health. And um, there, is, there is an improvement on an improving situation we heard from the, especially the Department of Health about access and eye care facilities in their various hospitals, which is an including situation. However, what is a barrier is that while a facility may be marked as having an ophthalmologist, um, people may be referred there. When they get to the facility, the ophthalmologist isn't there the entire day because for whatever reason, they may be running their own private practice and uh, they are stealing some of the time from the public. And um, you, you then that is, you don't have access in, in that instance because it's marked as access being there, but when you get there, you don't get any assistance. We also spoke about uh, technology and assistive devices. I think the greatest barrier we face there is cost. Most of the Technology is imported, including brazing machines. The Perkins brazers are imported, I think, from Perkins School for the Blind in Boston. So the depreciation of the South African rent has a direct and detrimental effect on the cost when it gets um, imported to South Africa. I was told by one of the conference participants that um, white canes, which, which are also imported, I think increased in a very short, short period of time by up to 40%, which makes them uh, very inaccessible. Um, so it's quite general, even software generally is imported, and um, the depreciation of the, of the rent has a very direct and uh, unfortunate effect on, on access.
1: I want to bring into this conversation Lewis, and that's Lewis Nzamande, who is the National Director at the South African Council for the Blind. Lewis, good morning to you. Good morning, Cathy. We've already heard part of the context under which um, your organization met and some of the issues that you wanted to deal with that particularly affect, um, you know, blind persons and also those that are partially sighted. Now... Education was also high up on on the theme and it it really to me seems like there needs to be more effort across the spectrum so from um from the time that maybe a, a young child is is born and they are blind or uh, you know or, or they become blind that the support is needed right through from that time up until they can get through the education system. But, but that's not really happening.
0: Indeed, Kathy. At some point uh, when uh, the ECDs um, were under DSD and uh, with the transition into, into, into the Department of Basic Education, we, we were hoping then that there would be this linkage. And, uh, you know, we were part of the Lekuta with the department uh, early this year, where we're making this point of, you know, collaboration of, I mean, of the departments, the home affairs with the registrations, DSD itself to pick up social issues, and as well as the education Department and why this is important is because uh, Kathy and I, I, I want to, to simplify you know issues for for the listeners and and, 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 and everybody else. You 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 get a, a child, uh, 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 an infant. An infant needs to learn movement, need to learn sounds, need to start to develop concepts uh right from the beginning with the parents and all of that so uh the detection is important uh, or detection or identification if you may call it uh, stim- uh, stimulation you know of of that infant so for us that's the it's a paramount uh, important uh service that uh, we require and for now, we we're not seeing it. Uh, we and we we're struggling, you know, even to get donors and, and and funders, not not let alone government, to invest in a in a in a young in a, a, a young citizen, so that then everything gets smoother as they as they grow old. Because clearly, you have, I mean, if you if a, a parent is now having a, a a blind child, how do you make that child be a, a, an, an an ordinary child like any other child playing and and all of that. You need to to have an investment, an input into the growth of that child. Hence, our 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 focus and emphasis on 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 education, right from the young age. But not it doesn't only stop there. Uh, you also need to produce brain learning material accessible. Learning materials for the young ones to be we are talking about uh, illiteracy and you've and, and, uh, seen the statistics you know that uh, were put out on learners or young people that cannot read for meaning. You could imagine on somebody then who is blind or partially sighted, who can't access the reading materials or the learning materials, even the playing material. And so it goes on and on in terms of the education, you get to the, um, the higher levels, tertiary. At tertiary, you, you also have to continue to have these, to build uh, these com- uh, competitive um, young blind and partially sighted person to their counterpart with information uh, from reading, with uh, computer literacy, and all of that. So the, this is the day-to-day work that we are seized with, in empowering blind and partially sighted persons. And we, we haven't we haven't mastered it because it takes a great deal of resources.
1: The issue of learning materials is one that has come up before, um, because there are some challenges that have come up, legislatively anyway, that have made it harder. Um, for individuals like yourselves to be able to access um, learning materials. Speak to me about what those challenges are.
0: You remember, Katie, we had a very good discussion, which uh, I think your listeners enjoyed, about Marrakesh, and, um, and, and which is also one of the, of the uh, instruments that uh, we, we tried, we are working on and we're wanting the government to accept uh, to sign on uh, in this treaty because it will also make available reading materials, um, reading materials uh, 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 in, in a form of books or uh, alternative uh, accessible formats, and um, we 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 now um, gonna be in in Africa in the continent to see how we escalate the metals because uh, there was there wasn't uh, any good positive feedback from the south african government uh, in essence we 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 as as the as the nonprofit organization we we rely on the donors to to, to donate and uh, you know and help us to be able to, to produce braille or large print Uh, For all these purposes, you know, for leisure reading, for study reading and uh, information uh, access and all of it. So we think that a a plethora of of rights are violated uh, for, for the lack of access to these reading materials.
1: Jan, I want to give you an opportunity to come in and speak about, at least for those who are part of your organization, what are the experiences that they have shared, the personal experiences around accessing reading materials currently?
2: Yes, no, thanks, Cassie. Our organization, as you know, National Council for the Blind is an umbrella of uh, more than 100, 111 at last count organizations of various sizes, you know, some uh, very large uh, national organizations such as Guide dogs for the Blind and um, Tape Aids for the Blind, you know, Retina SA, and uh, some smaller organizations which focus on the uh, local uh, challenges. So at the Polokwane Conference, all of these stakeholders were represented. I think education, as uh, Louise has said, was was a major focus. So the the huge challenge that was referred to by everyone, in fact, we, we spoke with uh, one voice, and it was a paper, uh, a scientific paper that was presented, which looked at um, the sentiments of blind, uh, students or blind learners at, at various schools the question of access to stem which is uh, science technology engineering and mathematics access to stem subjects was of greatest concern I think there are problems with uh, transcription of material and uh, to make it accessible for, for blind persons in these fields and there is also um, a problem of skills of teachers, skills of uh, teacher assistants and uh, the curriculum as a whole to make STEM subjects available and accessible to blind learners. So we had uh, many teachers and uh, many leaders of uh, teaching institutions and universities that spoke um, as one voice that to make career opportunities available, equal career opportunities available to blind persons as are available to, to many other sectors of society. STEM subjects have to be, become much more available and the tools and facilities to enable the teaching of STEM subjects has to be prioritized. So that will be a key focus area in the next four years of this quadrennial, between now and 2027, working with our partners um, and hopefully with the support of private companies in sponsoring and helping us to have a voice. Uh, and of course, with the government, I think I wanted to emphasize that the government is not an adversary of cancer. We are friends and partners with government and you know, with friends, it is important that when we extend a, friend of, a hand of friendship that we are met with equally with, with a hand of friendship and not with the clenched fist. So we um, are going to work closely with the Department of Basic Education um, to ensure that STEM subjects become available to, to all learners and teachers are equally equipped to to teach STEM subjects to blind and partially sighted learners.
1: What is the, the current status of specialized schools, um, in particular for the blind and partially sighted? When you look at those that we have in different parts of um, the country, how would you rate their performances?
2: So we, we recently had the... Uh, with, uh teachers' awards, uh, which were held, um, I think uh, about two weeks ago, and there were some uh, very well-performing teachers who were rewarded in um, during those awards um, for their work at the and schools uh, or the schools in learners with uh, disabilities or, 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 or special needs. So. If I take a deep stick, and I think uh, Louis could perhaps be a better responder to this question, I think there is an overall satisfactory performance uh, by the teachers, and it's only because of effort and improvisation uh, by the teachers, by the learners. Uh, we, We had very very strong stories of learners going over and above and teachers doing the same uh, to enable themselves to achieve these satisfactory outcomes. However, with resources, which is what is required, I think learner-teacher ratio was a big topic that was discussed at the conference. With adequate resources in terms of learner-teacher, in terms of um, assistive technology, the schools can perform a lot better. Um, I think we've seen a slight dip in the performance in recent years because of the resources or the dwindling nature of resources that have been allocated by the department. So, our plea and ask of the government is that while the performance is reasonably satisfactory, to reach a state that is fully satisfactory and equips blind learners with the tools to compete with their um, counterparts in society. Resources have to be significantly increased.
1: All right. We'll continue the conversation in a moment. It's time for your latest headlines.
2: The Talking Point with Kathy
0: We Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
1: All right, we continue the conversation this hour. We're focusing on um, some of the challenges that are faced by um, the blind and partially sighted persons and just really what it is that needs to be done. I think the intervention um, that is required There's on one level, at a state level, and I think on another level, really, society, right, Um, where different stakeholders can get involved in trying to ease some of the difficulties and some of the pressures um, that this particular group of people are facing. Lewis, I want to give you an opportunity to respond again on the state of um, these special schools, in particular for the blind, before we get into the voice notes that are being sent through.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Um, Some of the things, activities that we we have been engaged with in the school, with the schools, include um, the uh, South African National Council for the Blind having uh, um, a program on on a winter school program for matriculants to assist them, to make a contribution and encourage them and motivate them, you know, uh, and, and and help them to prepare for the final exams. And um, I think the the listeners have seen when the results end of the year, there are uh, metric matriculants that are, are topping uh, many, uh, I mean others, and, and 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 show up as as blind. Uh, young matriculants that uh, that would have performed excellent, and they get awards. And also, we are working with the school uh, principals. We have a, sc- a school uh, school a princip- a principals forum for all the schools, and and to to work together with them in trying to face uh, these challenges that are, are faced uh, by the the special schools in terms of. Uh, learning and teaching and support materials. Uh, this year, Kate, the, we, we with the department, as Yannis uh, uh, said, we 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 have uh, an advisory committee with the department that advises the minister, which arises out of the out of court settlement after we took the uh, the department to court um, in, 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 and and um, and say that. What we want is a, a full commitment to turning around the situation, a full plan of of, of, of resolving the, the the problems that are faced. So this year we've just completed a survey of the state of schools from in, infrastructure to uh, provisioning uh, to safety, transport, uh, hostel issues. And this survey will inform the report that we will table as an advisory committee to to the minister. And then uh, we hope that that's a, a one way of trying to then meet the, the, um, the challenges because we will then have this report that would have been uh, informed by this survey so all schools have been surveyed and visited by the advisory committee members in the country and uh, we hope that this report will be ready uh, before the end of the year okay, so that we present and share with the with 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 uh, with, with the people of South Africa on the state of uh, education and schools in in uh, of of the 23
1: yeah, I, I think such an update would really, really be be critical because these institutions, right, um, are one opportunity to actually improve access to quality education. So if at the very least, you know, those can be up and running and be functional, then at least, you know, the, the avenues and pathways that are being created while the broader sector is still trying to resolve, um, you know, the issues of access, I think, for, for, for everyone everybody else there are a couple of voice notes that have come through and I want to take some of them for you let me begin with this one it's a question around the reading program
0: hi Kathy you are speaking to Muzi from Ulundi I I have a query here according to your guest the age restriction is uh, 29 years old right now I'm above 29 that means my constitutional right is being violated in that way because. Oh, certain schools, right? So now, now, now my, my problem is if I'm above 29, do I still not qualify for that uh, kind of program? Thank you, Muza from Mulundi.
1: All right, um, Louis or Jan, who's going to take that question?
2: I can, I can take it. All um, right, go for so it. That is a correct. State of affairs, I think uh, at Optima College, which is an institution of cancer, there is an, an age restriction of 29 for the program that is sponsored, and we are very appreciative of Life Health, who is a sponsor of that program. They do allow and we negotiate on an ongoing basis for overage students or moving could for example be accommodated in that cohort of uh, of of students who are over age. I think we have hundred and twenty per annum that we train through this program. So from time to time we negotiate twenty or or even greater of a cohort that is above that age. However, I think the point Multi raises is very important. Um and it doesn't only touch blind or partially sighted persons, it touches all disabled persons, and it's Mm -hmm. an effort that we will be fighting for, because disability does not always start at the age of zero. So somebody could be disabled at the age of of 20 or 25, and they could only be rehabilitated over a period of five years, and uh, by the age of 30, then they would miss out on programs like this. Or if it's uh, for job opportunities, if they are rehabilitated after the age of 35, then they are outside the youth category. So that is a subject that would be a great focus of, of ours during this quadrennial period. All right. To change the mindsets of people and policy around access and youth, uh, especially for disabled persons.
1: All right. We've got another question for
2: you. Uh, you
0: see this, uh, organization, national council for the blind blind, they or whatever. They think uh, people with disability, they are fools. They are treating us like fools. This guys, uh, the government, they're always giving them opportunity. And these guys got bar user. They are using us cause there are many opportunities about the governmenting government and they don't mention people with disability, this uh, HL cohort or whatever. Yeah, but this type of so I don't understand. They are not important. These organizations. Lewis. Yeah. Katie I' um, Yes, <laughs> it's an upset caller, but uh, it's not true. Uh, it's not true. Uh, we engage government. We engage uh, our funders on the on on the on, and also we have clarified this with government. The, this the National Skills Act doesn't uh, discriminate on age, but uh, any donor or any funder has his her own. Conditions and terms of funding and 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 an angle of looking into the need. We we are engaging with NEMISA, for instance, because they have a huge co- computer training program, which is done through uh, municipalities uh, and training communities into computers. So we are engaged in government uh, and advocating for. Inclusion. one of the pillars uh, that we we have been working on uh, uh, from 2019 on the quadrennial period that has just lapsed was inclusion of blind and partially sighted person. It's an advocacy work. It's not us. We're not receiving funds and change the funds. we say make funds available so that we are able to include everybody, 60 year olds and you know, and about, because it's about being able to access information, reading, for leisure,
2: or whatever. purposes. So, it's not true, Ed, Katie. All
1: right, that yeah, is Katie, the voice. I
2: would like to just uh, uh, add to, or at least respond to the other part of sure. the listener's
1: the, comment. Sure. Very briefly for me, please.
2: Okay. Now, I think I wanted to touch on unity in the blindness sector the listener spoke about blind essay at council. I think it's important that we are not seen to be in competition um, and that we are seen to be cooperating and that is work that is also key in in this quadrennial period.
1: All right. Let me thank you both for coming on to the show. Lewis Nzambande is the National Director at the South African Council for the Blind and um, Mamukhoto Yan Mugwala is the newly elected chairperson of the same organization. We'll certainly keep in touch and looking forward to um, that report in particular, that is going to be assessing the state of education for blind and partially um, sighted persons. So on that note, I think that is where we'll leave it with the talking point for today, of course. Um, The show is back with you again tomorrow between nine and midday. Up next, this is at midday, will be the book, will be the update at noon, But before we get to that, it is the book reading.